Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. William Carlyle Coaching helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. My next guest on the podcast is former Ulster rugby player Mike McComas. You'll remember Mike from his playing days, starting off on a development contract with Ulster, moving over to England, and eventually finding his way back to Ireland through Connacht, and then coming back to his home province of Ulster. So you can find Mike on Instagram and Facebook if you search for Mike McComish Fitness, where he passes on his training tips and updates. Mike, I don't want to give you too much of a biography because I prefer to hear it all from you, but it is a pleasure to have you on today, especially because you're the first guest on the Red Hand podcast in our new podcast recording area in the famous SS Moors, my favourite shop in Belfast. So anyway, Mike, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Life's good, complain. And tell us a wee bit about what you're up to now. Um, well, <clears throat> since I retired of the fitness industry, I run a sort of self-employed coaching business, personal training, um, and that's looking after um, sort of high-end business men, business women is 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 one one side of the business, and then another side of it is um, you young athletes or or athletes. Um, which is obviously enjoyable um, to do, especially with with, with my back, my background being in sport. So you know, there's, there's certainly a connection there, and uh, and then with the, with those business folk, like it's just it's in many ways so it's nice to keep people young, you know, which is a big part of it, and the the mental side of it as well. Yeah, for for those for those guys. And that's what I was going to ask you a wee bit about. So fitness is clearly a passion for you. So in terms of strength and conditioning did you start at a, like a young age and like why is fitness and strength and conditioning such an important part of your life um like i think i think i grew up in a family where um activity you know activity was just part of life you know it was, it was it was going for walks it was doing stuff in the outdoors um you know my mum's my from north Antrim, um born born and bred up there and uh, you know we were up there as much as we can as we could uh during, during my early early days, so and I was beach walks and um and I think I think it was you know the easiest thing for mum and dad was to keep me active anyway. I was I was overactive as a, as a kid, um so just uh, yeah it's just it's just growing from that and then you know thankfully I grew up where two parents who who pushed me um pushed the wrong word but um who who, who allowed me to take part in ever and everything it wasn't um. Like I didn't play rugby until until I went to grammar school. Um, it was always it was always football and cricket and tennis and stuff in the back garden. 
Um, you know, obviously, dad, dad, uh, dad played for Ulster, played a, uh, played a decent standard. Um, no stage was I ever pushed for a rugby ball or that kind of thing. It was just, you know, go and take part in everything. Um, which I get, and, and with that, with that being said, you know, obviously growing up and reading biographies and stuff like that, you know, a lot of top sportsmen are good at multiple sports. You know, I think I think the only the only sort of biography I've read or is, is Tiger Woods. You know, he can't shoot a hoop, or he can't throw an American football. Whereas all these other guys, you know, Brooks Kepka, his, his brother, and, he, and his, I think his father, and he could have gone into baseball. A lot of these guys are really good at multiple multiple sports. Um, and I think that's you know, even nowadays, I think that's key as well. You know, yes, you probably need to dovetail when you get the 15, 16 into you know whatever sport you're going to go into if that's the route you're going down. But I think it's important just to have a uh, you know, a good rounded uh, across all yeah. all sports. You know, yeah. And did you have another sport or sports that you thought of going into as well? Was there a choice to be made at a certain stage? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, um, I was handy enough for cricket, and cricket would still be a massive passion of mine. In fact, you know, I, I don't watch an awful lot of rugby. Um, I would, in terms of, I would look at watch the big games. Stuff where they, you know there's going to be a bit of drama in it. It's like any sport where there's, that's where you watch it, there's drama. Yeah. You know, um, but if, for instance, it was across during the summer, I was across England a couple of times for the you know, the test matches and um, and I would go and watch quite a bit of um, local cricket throughout throughout the summer. You know, bring the kids along on a Saturday afternoon for a few hours. and uh, Yeah, cr- cricket. Um, yeah, I played a good standard of cricket and I came, it was either uh, one or the other really. And I suppose at that stage, there was... Uh, there was the opportunity then to play rugby professionally, whereas back then um, there wasn't that cricket route. Whereas that's very much alive now yeah. from, for, for people from Ireland. Yeah. So even looking back, so this is a tricky question, and it's a sort of reflective one. Where I'm looking back. Uh, sorry, I read um, uh, James Haskell's book, and no way am I comparing you to James Haskell. Yeah. But he talked about the sort of the importance of training for him yeah. Um, and how his life would have been very different without training. He said, yeah. look, he could have gone a different path. And look, if you were looking back, if you hadn't gone to the gym, if you hadn't been interested in sport and developing your, your fitness, do you think, where, where do you think you'd be without all that? Yeah, maybe. Um, look, certainly without a shadow of a doubt, training and, and uh, you know, Training's been a massive part of my life, and it, and it, and it's allowed me to you know to do to do certain you know do certain things and and um yeah like you know, I suppose you know you read autobiographies. I haven't read Haskell's, but you read autobiographies. You know, I think it's important for for people to get into things and pe- people to have interest in things. Um and look certainly um like now you know I I, I still train particularly hard. Um I still enjoy the the fight of it. You know whenever you've Whenever you played before sport professionally, especially rugby, it's dog eat dog, um, and it's it's hard just to take that away, take that completely away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still able to compete, not with anyone else, more or less myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm still able to compete and have a certain side of what you did in your in your in your past career uh, with training. Um, and like you know, the thing you either do it or you don't. You know, 100 kgs is always going to be 100 kgs. You know. When you walk into the gym, it doesn't see that you're in bad form, or you know, uh, if you haven't had a night's sleep the night before, it's still 100 kg. Either lift it or you don't. Whereas you know, in other walks of life, you can walk into the office and you've had a bad night's sleep, and you know, people are able to take that into consideration. Yeah. So, 
Like I, I, I just with mentality, I, I enjoy enjoy the fight of of for want of a better word, the fight of the, of, of the gym. Yeah. Um, and like obviously, then you've got the, you know the the health benefits <coughs> off that. You know, I, I grew up in a very tight knit knit family, and you know, um, my parents, my grandparents. You know, when I was younger, we here from me. We're still out in the garden playing playing sports with myself and my sister. Mum um, and dad do. Mum and dad now with the grandkids, and like that's I'd like to live. Well, being well, like to live long yeah. and be able to do the same thing with with, with my family. Um, so that, that that's a big drive as well. Yeah. So it's apart from the sort of the, the benefits of keeping yourself young. There's that mental health side to it as well. And Very I suppose, much, yeah. There's lots of people listening. Something we talk about in the podcast a lot is sort of mental health and and looking after that, particularly for athletes and coming out of top level sport. You're talking about you're playing at a, a very high level, and then all of a sudden you're com- you're not competing anymore in the professional sense. Correct. You're competing against yourself. So talk a wee bit more about. Well, you talked before we started recording. You're talking about fishing. Yeah. That's one of the ways you unwind, shower your head, and get away from things, but. For people listening, in terms of mental health benefits of strength and conditioning, you've mentioned it, but maybe talk a bit more about that. Um, well, like you know, many way, many ways. Best way I've sort of taught you through this is, like, uh, for instance, you know, I've I've a few uh, couple of barristers and solicitors, and, and, and let's say they've been in court and high pressure situation. Um, they come into the gym for stress relief, and not only do they come into the gym like. After they've been to court or they've been in a big case, quite often they'll come in beforehand because it just allows them to clear the head. And then, and then, look, you know, when if you're dealing with a, if you're a high end barrister, same same thing when you're in court, dog eat dog, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're if you've got your head clear and you're crystal clear in terms of what your role is whenever you go into court, so you know those guys those guys use use the gym for that as well. Yeah. Um, and look, like I think the thing. Successful people always like to compete, you know. Um, so you know, not you know, not just you know, the legal side of people, but people who are successful in business. There's competitive edge to them, and the gym allows them to do that. You know, let's for instance in the ski erg do a certain time, try and beat that, or lift in a certain weight. You know, you trying to trying to trying to improve yourself and, and beat there. So um, successful people and uh, and the gym kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Kind of hand in hand. Yeah, I know it's interesting the number of podcasts you listen to. If you're anything like me, listen to lots of podcasts like the Diary of a CEO, or um, there's uh, any number of podcasts where people talk uh, talk about sort of working at an elite level, and all of them have some sort of fitness yeah. or gym routine. That's yeah. interesting that there's that in common. So, um, I want to turn to talk a wee bit about rugby now and how you got your passion for rugby. And you alluded to it a second ago with your dad, but. Tell us about when you started playing and, and what stage you started to properly enjoy it or maybe even see yourself becoming professional. Um, well, I probably started with going with my dad to, uh, he played for North. Um, so started with going to going to the games with him while in early doors while he was while he was still playing and you were playing touch rugby with the other sons of the, you know, the other lads playing Um in the dead ball area or up on the side of the side of the pitch. Um so that's probably where that's where everything started out in terms of, of, of the over oval ball. Um and then I was very fortunate to, to go to Campbell College, um, which is a, a renowned rugby school. They gave me a path to flourish there. Okay, uh, 
still hold in very high regard. John Joe McKinney. Um, we still have a, a very close close relationship. Um, he, he, allowed, he allowed me to, to flourish and express myself and um, obviously go through the ranks at school. And, um, yeah, that, that's where that's where rugby rugby started out. Yeah, and did you have like idols that you looked up to? Any sort of Ulster Ireland guys when you're growing up, that you, or even beyond that, that you yeah, yeah probably to? probably beyond. I, li- I like the flair of I like the flair, flair of sense of the game. Um, so growing up, he was sort of running the show for the All Blacks. Um, so I always enjoyed uh, always enjoyed watching him. So yeah, he'd, he'd have been he'd have been a bit of an idol growing up for sure. Yeah, and then your dad as well. You're saying he played for Ulster yeah. at one stage. Yeah, yeah. He did. Was was he back row as well? Or no, he, he, he was uh, the wing. Oh, right, okay. Quarter. Yeah. Um, so no, he yeah he played a good standard standard rugby, and I suppose like the apple never falls too far from the tree. Um, you know, it was uh, I think the you know, one of the, the the big factors of 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 me coming back to Ulster was the fact that my dad had played and. Um, I suppose when you do have such a close relationship with them, um, it's not, it's always nice to have uh, be able to go on the same path. Yeah, absolutely. Probably I'd have a few more caps. It's always <laughs> it's always nice to bring up. <laughs> yeah. And see when you're coming out of school, so and you've been playing sort of Ulster schools and Ireland schools and that. There, uh, talk talk us through that path into becoming a professional. Um, well, back then it was you played for your school. Um, off the back of performing there, you did, you did the Ulster schools, um, and then there was a, an academy system. And I left school and into, went into the academy system, um, and uh, I was in there for a couple of years. And then you know I was on a development contract with Ulster, um, and being Ulster, you know I, I don't think there was any chance of getting a, getting a look in at that stage in terms of playing playing s- senior rugby. So you know I was playing week in week out for Balamina. And uh, massively enjoyed it, you know. Geez, like, you know, can't speak highly enough either of of, of Ballymena Rugby Club. Um, massive sort of affection for for the place. Um, you know, yet again, they you know not only was was they allowed to flourish at, at school under Joe McKinney. You know, the, the, uh, Ballymena were have been a, and still are, but they've been a big part of, of my career. Um, and then with with obviously you know with wanting to play play for my province and play professional rugby. As I said there previously, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't getting the look in, so it was any case of uh, going across the water, um, playing my trade over there for for a couple of years, which was very beneficial and very very attritional, uh, very attritional rugby. Uh, you know, week Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, no breaks, just week week on week on week on, um, and uh, I managed you know to go across there, make an impression, and and, and play well. And then get back into the Irish system with uh, with going down to down to Connacht first, yeah. uh, which yet again, like gee, I can't, you know, had a, had a great time down there. Really, really enjoyed it. It's really close knit rugby family down there, um, and, and and great coaches. You know, like Dan McFarland, I had Dan as a coach down there, and uh, you know can't speak highly highly enough of him. Yeah, what's so good about McFarland as a coach? Because everyone says that, but. Unless you've been coached by him, it's very difficult to know. So what's what makes like, him I think Dan's biggest asset is his honesty, um, which you know I think in any walk of life you just want people to be honest with you, and uh, you know, makes makes different situations easier, or at least you know where you're at, or all, and all those kind of things. So yeah, just just as honesty. And look, Dan, Dan was the kind of guy nearly knew as knew you as well as you knew yourself. You know, he he studied individuals, he was big into the psychology of it. Um, 
you know didn't didn't treat everyone the same. Knew that you know different different um, different sort of mindsets and, and how you went about things. So yeah, look, it was no no surprise that Dan's done a good job up to Ulster. Um, you know, and uh, do so. Yeah, and on that note, I suppose that Dan McFarland's an example of a good coach you've worked with. Are there who's sort of the best coach? Are there any? Is it, hard, it must be hard to choose the best coach, but you've worked with various people over the years. Who are, who are the good ones that you've worked with, and what makes a good coach? You mentioned honesty. Are there any other qualities you'd get in the coach? Uh, yeah, another uh, guy, Mark Donato, who came into Ballymena for a short period of time, um, having been in the, the Australia Academy system. He was an he was an excellent coach. Um, Andre Bester, very 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 good coach, um, and uh, and da- Dan as well. And look, I, I really I really enjoyed playing under Mark Anscombe as well. Um, and I think like the biggest attribute of, of all those four guys was probably you know was, not probably was their honesty. Yeah. You know, like say for instance, right? You know, you're not getting game time. Well, they were honest with the reason why. It was up to you to go and work on it, yeah. and rather than, rather than like some coaches just feel bullshit, you know, and just um, just just not being honest with you and, and, and telling you lies and um, and you're playing playing players off on each other, and then the next thing you're out for a, for a, for a beer with them, and oh, he said that. Oh, he said the same thing to me. Was, you know, so um, yeah, like honesty. Honest coaches, like in, in any, in any, well, like in any, any sport or any walk of life or any business, um, are successful. Yeah, that's interesting. It seems to be a theme where uh, I've spoken to various players and said, look, there's people tell you all sorts of stuff that they, maybe they think you want to hear it at the time. Yeah. Maybe their contract's not being renewed or something. They keep you hanging on because they just can't break the news to you. But you'd yeah. much rather know, do you know, or what, yeah, what are sure. you doing wrong or what are you doing not to get picked? And on, on that note, so we talk about sort of, Coming into that the academy, and there was no chance of getting into the Ulster setup, just yeah. the senior setup. There's, I imagine, a lot of competition at the time coming yeah. through. Is there something that you changed in your mindset whenever you went away, or is there anything you di- did differently which made you a better player to come back and rejoin Ulster? Um, yeah, well, look, I suppose if one of the big things is you're fending for yourself. So there's, you know, when you're away there, you you, know, you don't have the the support network of, of of the family at that stage at that stage there right there on hand so yeah like maturity you know you you mature um I, I think it's always good to get away at some stage um you know in terms of your own personal personal growing up and ma- maturity of it um and i, th- I think like just the, the the style of rugby that was played in, in the championship back then was very very much 10 man rugby just old school hard nosed Gritty, gritty rugby, and um, the main fall of that, um, you know, it uh, you did grow up fast, and yeah. certainly be certainly be successful over there in that environment. You know, you, you need to mature quickly, and the, the slightly slightly different brand of rugby to what, what was what is and what it was played in in, in Ireland. Like you know, that championships changed a fair bit now in terms of a bit more expansive. You know, you've got teams playing on absolute turf pitches and those kind of things. So the, you know, the games advanced there, but um, yeah, certainly back then it was just a traditional old school English rugby. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because you've made that decision to go away to England, and you see guys now. It sounds like a great learning experience, and you get you get battle hardened going over there yeah. playing every week against sort of an traditional style of rugby, and um, you see guys going away. But some some of them come back. Many of them you never hear of again. You yeah. you you ended up coming back to Connacht and then ultimately back to Ulster. So t- 
Tell us about that decision to come back to Ulster and what was it like to come back? What was the environment you went in? Um, like, I'm born and bred here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm an Ulsterman. So the lure to come back and play from own province was was huge. You know, um, like I've already said, my father played played for Ulster, and you know, going to school here was like was every young lad's dream, I suppose, of, of first playing for for Ulster. And, um, so yeah, c- coming back to uh, to playing from own province um, was certainly certainly a big a big 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 uh, big big lure. And now with with, with that being said. You know, I, I massively enjoyed the time down in Galway with with Connacht. Um, you know, I suppose from a rugby point of view, you know, you had great coaching setup. Um, and I suppose with the place being at that stage, the sort of the little brother of the, the four Irish provinces, you had to fight for everything down there. Um, and you know, it was a very, very close, close knit family club. Um, and um, and every everyone was treated sort of on a, on a level playing field down there. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So just, a, a, I mean, it's good to hear that it was a good experience down in Connacht, but then coming back to Ulster, who were the guys that you were competing with in the back row then? We talked a wee bit before recording about the sort of the competition. And yeah. there was, the, it, it, in terms of Irish back rows at that time, it was really... Yeah, well, look, Ireland of all, certainly in the modern era, Ireland have always been blessed with, with some seriously good back rowers. Uh, hopefully that, can, you know, that continues, which seems to be the case with guys like, Caelan Doris and those guys and Van de Fleer and, yeah. and it just seems to be a never-ending conveyor belt there. Uh, but when I was, I was coming back to Ulster, you had, um, you know, had Pedri Vanber, Robbie Dayak, um, Chris Henry, Stevie Ferris, um, Willie Floon. You know, so it was it was com- competitive and very competitive to come back to. But you know, you like to you know you want to test yourself. Um, there's no point. Uh, you need you know you need you need to dip your toe and see see if you could. Uh, See if you could sort of match it or compete, and um, yeah, like I was, I was a very, very talented squad to come back into. Um, extremely talented, you know. Like they uh, got the European Cup final that year. Following year, we got to the uh, the final, but with a home, with a home final, and had to go down to Leinster to play Leinster in our home final, and, and lost down there. So yeah, I was very, 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 very talented squad. Yeah, and. and- that's uh, leads us on nicely to the next question. A listener, we should put the name down. Someone asked, "What are your favourite memories of your career?" That must be up there with them. Um, Despite the result, obviously, uh, some campaign though. Yeah, for, yeah, it was brilliant. You know, I think at one stage, twelve games on the points without losing. Yeah. Um, so you know, the environment that I created alone in terms of socially as well, mm-hmm. and as well as, as professionally in terms of rugby was was awesome. Um, like I'll still go back to probably winning the Skills Cup in fifth year. Campbell is one of was one of my, my favourite memories. Um, like I was I was only fifth year in the in the squad and I suppose the, the baby of baby of the, of, of the team. Um, played out played out half that, that year. And we ended up going on going on to win it. And like that's it was there's a bond with those you know, bond with those guys that uh, never never seems to get broken. You know, you bump into bump into them every now and, now and then um, socially or whatever and. Um, yes, that's certainly one. Certainly one of the highlights. Yeah, I think even what I do, but I'm still my, I'm still, uh, I'm still seen as a little kid, <laughs> <laughs> the youngest coming through. And, yeah, and that thing has ever changed. Yeah, and an out half as well. I hadn't realised that. So um, that again, that leads us nicely on to the next question about regrets in your career. And do you regret not sticking in an out half? <laughs> Is that? I mean. 
it might be you're destined to, because of your size and, and, and even your height as well, you're probably destined to be in the back row. But uh, more serious, like, you no, know, everyone has regrets about things that we've done differently. Maybe you did want to play out half, I don't know. But no. do you have any big regrets about your career looking back? Uh, no, look, nothing really jumps jumps off the page um, in terms in terms of regrets with it. I know, like, you know, um, no, the playing out half was, was really only it was just for that one season. Um, I moved up from Italian rugby into senior rugby, and like early doors, or there was um, I played the first two games for the twos, and then I can remember getting the first start for the for the first at number eight, going away to play at Blackrock. The whole pile of sort of Irish school rock stars, and we ended up losing. I think it was eighty seven five or something like that. Um, and I, th- I think a couple of centres get injured in that game, and I ended up playing in the centre. That following week, uh, played there for a couple of weeks, and then um, I suppose a bit of a bit of forethinking from from John McKinney, the coach at the time. Um, I ended up then playing out half and playing out the whole way through the year and winning the schools cup at the end of it. Yeah, John obviously uh, he obviously saw saw a bit of bit of talent there in terms of football and ability, and and uh, I look very much with the Campbell way. You're you're allowed to you're allowed to thrive in there. Um, and it is it is all about skills and, and being able to express yourself. Um, and even even now, when I still go back to Campbell, you know, I think the emphasis still is on expressing yourself at the school. Um, which you know, I think you know, I think I think that the enjoyment of schools rugby nowadays for me is a little bit too intense. Yeah. You know, I think at that age you should be allowed to go and express yourself and uh, and play ball and, and not not have you know certain parameter parameters to. to to adhere to, um, for me, schools rugby is a wee bit, a wee bit too serious. Now you know, like yeah. I, I went to watch a schools game there a couple of weeks ago, and um, drone up, drone above the pitch. Yeah, you know, video on it. Yeah, you know, at that stage, you're meant to enjoy sport. Yeah, you know, you know, and certainly at school, you're meant, you're meant to. For me, you're meant, you know, you're meant to enjoy it. And, you know, I just think, uh, look, it's the way they keep. I want to introduce the Red Hand listeners to a fantastic business who support the podcast. Hill Fitness is Northern Ireland's leading home gym equipment provider. Whether you're a total beginner buying your first weight set or a strength training veteran creating your dream home gym, Hill Fitness have you covered. From dumbbells to squat racks, gym flooring to exercise bikes, Hill Fitness have everything you need and more. The Red Hand listeners can receive an exclusive discount of 5% off their first order in-store or online. Just use code RED5, all caps, at the checkout. Check them out at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. That's discount code RED5, all capitals, for 5% off your first order at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. Hill Fitness make amazing home gyms happen. Games go on, professionalism of it. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that it's a little bit too serious and a bit too 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 intense too early um, for for kids at that age, yeah, um, and I suppose like, uh, when you look at it, that's why there, there maybe isn't a big, you know, nowadays there, there maybe isn't a big, you know, rate of of, uh, of school kids going into you know Ulster uh, club rugby and that kind of stuff because get fed up. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them go overseas, you go to uni in England or something, and then stop. Yeah, playing just or... stop, just stop yeah. playing. You know, it's like it's uh, you know it's um it's a big ask of kids at, at that age, but like you know, I suppose you know from the top down. Um, in terms of Irish rugby, all the way down, down through, it is that's just the way it is now. Yeah. Um, you know, talent spotting's even earlier. Um, conditioning programs, all kinds of things are 
I didn't really need it for me. Like I didn't lift any weights until I was seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Um, whereas just because it dem- it demands it now, you know, kids are in the gym at fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's a completely different ball game now. Would you say to them, young people coming through, or their dads, or or mum, whoever wants them to play high level rugby? Would you say like just hold off the weights, focus on your skills first and foremost? Well, or what's no, the no, not really. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do it, you, you know, you're not going to compete. Yeah. You know, so it's either don't you know don't do a big part of the game, which is obviously physicality, speed, size, power. Don't do that. You can be the most most skillful guy in there, but if you don't match up to it physically, yeah. you're not going to get picked. Yeah. So it's just the, you know it's just the demands. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know the, the rugby model is going down more and more. The sport, of, I suppose, the, the the American football model, where you know you go through college, you play college. If you don't make the NFL, you don't really play anymore. Yeah. And I suppose you know, rugby's, rugby's not a kick in the horse off that now, really. Yeah. It's funny that you're talking about the, the best days of your rugby career are the ones you weren't getting paid. You were just playing with your friends at school, coming through. And equally, yep. guys who come out of school, they've lost that enjoyment to an extent, you know. Yeah. And don't yeah. And look, you know, I, I was all bit, there, was, there, there were finances involved. Um, like I, when I'd come out of school, I'd have two or three years, you know, playing at Balamina where, um, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a professional game, but it was still very, very amateur, yeah. which was, you know, it was very enjoyable. Um, and look, you know, the, the, the professional side of the game was enjoyable too. Like if you like, you know, if you like to compete, you can't not enjoy that. So, um, you know, I, you know, I certainly enjoyed the, the professional, the professional game as well, but, um, like you you build a lot of sort of long-term friendships, Back when the game is still still amateur, or yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, it gets lost to an extent now. And um, just in terms of other listener questions, there's one uh, one came in. How did you come to the decision to retire from professional rugby? So that must have been a tricky decision, do you know. Under how did that come about? Um, it just it, when you know, you know, just sort of it just sort of felt right. Um, you know, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to play play on with Ulster, and I had a you know I had a bit of a look look elsewhere, and it was it was a case of you know, the the upsticks at that stage again with you know a couple of young kids, and you just you just know you just know. Um, I like you know whenever whenever I had finally decided uh, that was it, like you wake up the next day free, yeah, you know mentally free, yeah, you know because like you know the demands of rugby and demands of professional sport are huge, you know you're. When's my next injury? When's my next game? When's my next contract? Whereas to not have that, you know, you woke, you, you certainly woke up the next day and was really free from all that. You know, yeah. like even at even at the end of the, even at the end of the season when you go, you know, you're away on holiday or you're four weeks off or whatever it is, you're still thinking about rugby. Yeah. You know, you still know you're coming back to pre-season. You still know you're coming back to compete to to potentially earn another contract or. Or if you know, if your contract's up that year, or you know if you have two or three year, you it, it, it's just it's just endless. Yeah, it's just endless. And yeah. there must be another side to that as well, Lou. So you're used to. I mean, you had a long career by any by anyone's standards, but and and I know that um, coming to that decision must have had another side to it, where you're looking for your identities wrapped up in rugby. Do you know you're Mike McComish, the rugby player. That's yeah. what people do as. Uh, after your career's over playing, did you struggle with that identity or like transitioning into something else? Um, no, look, I, I, was, I think I think you're always still in many ways Mike McComish, a rugby player. You know, even when you're even when I am out and about, um, you know, you're 
you're still recognised as 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 a rugby player. Um, was a trans transition hard? Um, like I, th I think the the birth of my daughter coming along was was yet again you know perfect perfect timing for me. It was uh, um, I'd sort of retired and then uh, she she was on her way. Um, so I was able to sort of had something to move into. Obviously, being my firstborn, all very new. Um, and look, when I when I when I first retired, I sort of the route of landscaping. My father does as well. Enjoy enjoy outdoor work. Enjoy working in the garden and doing all bits and those bits and pieces. And still 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 do quite a, quite a bit of it. Um, but the move into the, the the fitness side of things was was a bit of luck by chance. But by chance, really, it was. Um, Couple of guys just said, "Look, would you train? Would you train me?" Um, and that started out as sort of a couple of sessions a week, and within I don't know, maybe 10, 12 weeks, more or less, had a full diary. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, rugby's rugby certainly been to me. You know, I don't, I, I don't think without having a background and having the contacts that you have through rugby and um, and all those kind of things that you know, certain business things that have that have done since I've retired. Um, you know. Rugby's been good to me at that point of view. Yeah, uh, you know, it certainly opens certainly opens doors. Yeah, so there's yeah. a degree of recognition from people, yeah, recognition of people recognize you and yeah, and gives just, you an just, yeah, and even just the you know just the affiliations and the friendships that you build throughout your career and um, and like you know obviously you know, the rugby's rugby's been good to the family and with my, my dad having played there are a lot of you know he's a lot of acquaintances and friends and stuff that. Um, that you've, you know, business-wise, since since retiring, you've been able to sort of tap into. and, and Yeah. Yeah. I know it's funny when I put up on social media, you're coming on a couple of people are saying, played rugby with your dad. So right. it's just funny that people never, the bonds that you make in rugby last that many no, years. No, sure. remember your teammates. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. uh, um, and talking about sort of like, that's one good thing coming from rugby, but in terms of like long-lasting injuries, because this is the big debate that's going on at the minute, like, it's all well and good putting your body on the line every week for your team, but afterwards you suffer the after effects of that. And have you been sort of lucky in that sense that you've long lasting injuries? Yeah, uh, no, I've I've pro I've a prolapsed disc L four L five. Um, so you know you it's all about managing that. Uh, like you know the the injury is always going to be there. It's a matter of just uh, just being you know strong around that. That they allow me to still train and do and, and do what I do. But no, you know it's um, certainly. First thing every morning, it's uh, putting my left left soccer shoe on. Or it's you know you have it. Yeah. Um, niggles and shoulders. Look, I don't think you go through a rugby career without having long lasting long you know long lasting injuries. Um, but like with with that, obviously the uh, so supposed to be the minute. Um, okay, I think everyone knows what they're signing up to. You know, it's um, kind of like I said it's not tillywinks. So you know you know what you're signing up to. Yes, the game is getting more and more and more physical, um, and obviously the, you know the, the, the impacts and, the, and with that that you know the head knocks are, are greater impacts. Yeah. But like everyone knows what they what they're signing up to, and I, I don't really I don't really see anything around it. You yeah. know you you can't wrap, wrap people in wool. You know you've got guys in the NFL with helmets on, they're still getting concussed. It's yeah. just an occupational yeah. hazard. Yeah. Um, is it easy? Is it easy to deal with if you if you do have you know long-term symptoms no it's not touch wood I'm a fair share of, of, of concussions and those bits and pieces certainly towards the end of my career and I don't think of any adverse effects as as of yet I'm not sure everyone say that but uh, um, 
No, I can't, I, like that stuff can't be either with. You know, I'd um, like, you know, obviously the memory loss and the, the Alzheimer's and that kind of thing. You know, I'd, I'd both my, both my grands had Alzheimer's. Um, no, it's not not a pleasant thing to do yeah. with. And, um, I, I look, I, I really don't know what 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 you can do within the sport in terms of making that that safer. You know, it's it's yeah. really just it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you know, ever any any given weekend that you're you're going out to play. The risk of getting injury is, is is massive. You know, it's extremely high. Yeah, and whether it be rolled ankles to cuts to head knocks or or, or worse, you know, breaks and stuff, it's just part of the game. Yeah, well, that's it. And I, I haven't actually seen it yet. People talk a lot about the Steve Thompson document about his struggles with dementia, yeah. early onset dementia, and all that. And there's no simple answers to this. And, and no. it's just interesting to hear. Do you know, Injury is an inevitable part of playing rugby, and people know that. But and there's this debate about what can you do to make it safer. So there's, there's certain common sense things you used to throw players back onto the pitch. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, for sure. Common sense sure. things like that. And obviously, but, uh, you lose the head, the head protocols now. But yeah, look, yeah. look, miners were down underground all day long mining coal. You know, they knew what they were signing up to, and yes, now in later life they have. But you know, it was, uh, they still had to put food on the table, yeah. and they knew what they were signing up to. And same th- same thing when you play sport. You know, like a cricket. You know, you're standing twenty two yards away. Somebody f- far more than you know a, a rock with a bit of leather around it at ninety five miles an hour. Yeah. You know, if that hits you in the head or hits you anywhere, you know that, that's that's damage. They they all know what they're signing up to. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's in any contact sport. Yeah, there's a there's a risk. There's a risk. Ho- yeah. Hockey is one of the most terrifying yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 my sister played hockey, and I remember going to watch. Game several times. Geez, they're tough wee girls. Yeah, you know, getting eyes split open. Yeah, firing a bit of tape on it and back out. But even just that close quarter stuff with you know a ball flying around and the speed of it. No, it's no. I wouldn't fancy that myself. Yeah. Rugby has no. that reputation. Yeah. There's, it's in every every sort of sport, whether contact or not. Like, yeah, um, there'll always be risk involved. And I want to talk a wee bit about your connection to Ulster rugby. You said necessarily watch all the games. You go up the Kingspan a bit, but. Uh, have you stay connected to the guys like old teammates and any of the, the guys who are playing at the moment? Yeah, for sure. I actually only after having a cup of coffee there with, with, with Craig Gilroy over in uh, Olders in the Belmont Road before before we went to this. Um, yeah, we 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 stay in regular contact and stuff. Uh, quite a bit of banter and do do a lot of stuff uh, socially and yeah, look with other guys away. You never you never really lose lose touch touch with them. Some you know sometimes you don't see each other for long periods of time, but um, when you've you know, when you've played together and you've been through the fight of it and it's but it is a bit of a brotherhood. It's like uh, you know, it's, it's time time never passes away, you know, it's as if you've never been away. Yeah. Um, like I remember a couple of Saturdays ago I went down to watch uh Donny D play arts and seen Scott Young, who was in my uh schools uh when I went, I went to Camels in my school's cup team. Um and we hadn't seen each other for a good good period of time, but like it was never as if we'd never been away. Yeah. You know, with, with an hour's worth of Catch up and crack. Yeah, that's so you good. Know. I know it's good to hear that there's still those connections that you make, and yeah. even after a number of years out of the game now. And um, so, uh, finally, I want to talk a wee bit about your passion at the minute. You, you go fishing a lot, and I've never fully understood the appeal of fishing. I've not really done it that much. Tell yeah. us a wee bit more. Why enjoy it so much? What's the appeal of that? Um, well, my, my grandfather, my grandfather was salmon fishing trade um, on uh, North Hampton, the North Coast. Um, um, like fishing's one of those things. Either like it, or you don't. You know, most people just kind of don't even understand my mentality, or kind of just don't don't even get it. Um, 
Like, yeah, I can remember when I was going to Galway, it was like a dream for me. Yeah. Because it was like I was getting fishing four or five times a night, or four or five times a week. And, yeah, I've been coming back into training. What, what, what were you doing last night? Smicker, I was like, oh, I went fishing. All right, weirdo, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, these guys wanted to start, start yeah. coming along. And, yeah. Uh, um, look, I suppose with the rugby thing and my dad and like it's in the family, you know, with my grandfather, I love nothing more than getting up as a young kid, going out and fishing the net and, um, and giving a hand there. Um, albeit that was commercial stuff. Um, it was grander really. It got me into sort of the rod and line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, like, apart from, apart from the enjoyment of catching the fish and the fight, getting it reeled in, um, it just in terms of headspace, um, and just getting away from getting away from the world, you know, there's nothing nicer than pulling up in the middle of nowhere in Donegal or Kerry or wherever where there's no phone reception. Yeah. Nobody can hold you. Yeah. You know, it's just you and the wilderness and the fish for a better for a better word. Um, now it's called it's called fishing because you know you don't always catch. Yeah. But uh yeah, like I was you know fishing at the weekend there for a couple of hours and, and um to catch anything, but geez it was you know uh, you're there in total total darkness. You've no f- artificial light. You know, you look above and the stars. You've no orange in the sky or anything. Yeah. It's just uh, you've got the sea rolling in, and yeah, it's just like it's just my way of uh, getting a release and, and getting away. Um, yeah. And like you know, at the same time, there's a certain amount of competitiveness with that as well because you always want to catch the big fish. Or, yeah, yeah, or if you're even when you're going fishing with a couple of men, a couple of good mates in Dublin, I go fishing with. Um, they're you know 10, 15 years older than me, so I've been fishing a lot. A, a lot longer and um and if they've off the back of that sort of got fishing all around all around Ireland but when we go away it's still good fish or, yeah you know you never lose that no no but yeah look in many ways it's it's um it's away from it's away for me to get away from everything which which is like in, in modern life you know uh, stress relief and mental health is huge so um not many people understand it um but that's just so that's my go to. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. Uh, yeah, I just look. Yeah. yeah, you've sold it well. I want to go fishing now. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard you talk about it. That sounds really right, good. When it starts raining, you still fish. You don't go inside. Yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah, come and fishing with me. Oh, it's raining. Let's go. No, no that's when the games begin. Yeah, yeah. no, you're more than welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, final question. I think I really want to speak because um, one of the things I've noticed is you have a really good balance and you pursue your passions as well. So, like, You've gone into a career that suits you and you love, you know, yep. fitness and yep. it allows you enough time to spend your family and it's flexible in, the, in some senses, I'm sure. That you can yeah, no, that. not initially. Yeah. You know, initially it was, like, like that, it was, you know, it was 11 tour days. Yeah. Um, but like, like with any business and making something successful, you know, if, you don't, if you're not prepared to work, you're not prepared to grind, you're not going to get there. But yeah, certainly now um, I have uh, have a bit more, bit more spare time. Yeah, uh, and... You find that balance, and you seem like happy and content. And I suppose the last question is a bit of a deep one. But what advice, having talked about all this in your career and everything, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to speak to an eighteen-year-old Mike? What would you say to to him? To uh, or would you change anything? Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult. One. Like it's, I think when you are happy and content, uh, which which I certainly am. You know, certainly am in life. You know, everyone around me is healthy and. Lovely, lovely little kids flourishing. So, um, look, I'm certainly, certainly happy in life. So it's hard to say change anything. Yeah. You know, I think, I think life's there to be lived, and it is all about, you know, it is all about being happy. Um, 
you know, like yes, without without a doubt, money makes the world go round. Um, you know, you've got mortgages, you you've got kids to school, and you've got your university and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think love and happiness are the are the two main things in life for me, and you know, obviously with uh, with the closeness of my family, um, and then having a rounded balance of you know family life, work life, um, you know still a social aspect and then like getting away and, and going going and watching um you know going going across the water and watching test matches with my old boy and a couple of friends and uh um and getting away fishing um and then look at it you know getting up getting up to the north coast with with, with the family is um like thankfully my, you know my two kids enjoy the place as much as as what i seem to have done growing up so that you know that, that, that always helps and uh that seems to be the same thing with with my sister and her family. She's down in Dublin. She gets up as often as she can, and yeah, like I suppose that side of it's lovely for my mum. Um, you know, to bring her kids and grandkids back to where she, where she grew up. So, um, I'm not too sure whether you know you whenever you are happy that you you change a whole, whole lot of things. You know, I think you need to get very deep to to go back and and, and say look, it changed this and it changed that, but. Um, no, like you know, I was like I was said earlier in the conversation. I was very fortunate to go to Campbell College. Um, gave me an absolutely great start in life. Um, I think a lot, a lot of that's down to a certain teacher as well, Joe McKinney, and then and then rugby's been good to me. Um, you know, it's given me lifelong friendships. It's um, you know, it's uh, it's it's given my son's godfather. Obviously, you've you've got uh, you've got the finances that that came with it as well. Um, and then you know, once you've retired, you still have that still have that rugby fraternity, and and look, you know, I, I think with having played cricket as well, you know, you still have you still there's still a cricket fraternity there as as well. Um, so no, no look, I wouldn't uh, without going mega deep. Yeah, I wouldn't change a pile because I'm certainly certainly happy in life. Yeah, well, that's a great note to end on, and uh, you've obviously your man who has his priorities straight and know, knows what he likes and what's important in life, and I think that's. A really good note to end on. So, yeah. like, um, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, and thanks for coming in. This is the first podcast we've done in SS Moors. Uh, no better man to, to have on. So, thanks again. No problem. Thank you very much. The Red Hand is proudly partnered with Shredded Juice Bar, a fantastic local business based on Belfast's bustling Lisburn Road. Shredded Juice Bar stocks a range of fresh, healthy, wholesome, and delicious foods and drinks. Fresh juices, smoothies, SIE bowls, protein pots, overnight oats, protein balls, salads and wraps. You can tailor our menu to your needs. Everything is served just the way you like it. We're all about feel-good food. Come and give us a try. We know you'll love it. We're open seven days a week. That's Shredded Juice Bar on the Lisburn Road in Belfast. We look forward to seeing you soon.